You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators and this is The Food Code. Hello and happy hump day. Yes, it is Wednesday. Today is Veterans Day. I, you know what? Once I stopped working at corporate, I forgot about all holidays because when I, when I had holiday, when I had like corporate job, I would like live for those holidays because those usually meant a day off or like, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it is also my mom's birthday, although Mm -hmm. she's celebrating in heaven, obviously, but I, so I always remember obviously 11, 11, um, but today we have kind of a Q and a mashup that I'm, I'm really excited about this one. Cause I think so many people like fear going out to eat or like fear, you know, social events and settings, especially when they're sprung on you last minute, just because they yeah. don't know how to navigate. I used to, I used to literally have anxiety, like large levels of anxiety when Nick would want to be like, Hey, you want to go out to eat? Or like, you know, back in before pre COVID, like, Hey, I got tickets for a Blackhawks game tonight. It's a Wednesday night. Do you want to go? And I would be like, no, no, I don't want to go. It's Wednesday. You're, it's 3 p.m. on a Wednesday. You're asking me if I want to go out to dinner tonight. Like it was ridiculous, but that was my life because I was so in such a poor place with food relationship wise um, that that was my life. And I know that that's where a lot of our clients are. So yeah, we're going to talk about it. Yeah. So let's talk about it. So a couple of things, if you know that it's an event um, that you have, we always plan for it. We talk about these things as, you know, plan deviations with our clients because part of this journey to living a healthy lifestyle is also enjoying your lifestyle with your family and friends. And so we just are strategic about how we approach the situations. So a couple of things that we always recommend on days that you're either going out to lunch or dinner is that you start your day off a little bit lighter than you typically would, you know? So if I normally had like a 500, 600 calorie breakfast or morning, I would tone that down a little bit to let's call it like 300 calories, mainly focusing here on protein and doing something like an egg white omelet or, you know, something a little, just a little bit lighter, a little bit less carbs too. So instead of like an English muffin, I might do just one piece um, of toast. I love toast in the morning. It's just warm and I love to put nut butter on it. So I might have one piece maybe instead of two or a little bit lighter, you know, English muffin, one of the hundred calorie ones or whatever, and then do, you know, more volume with my protein through egg whites and some vegetables. So we would recommend the same thing for your lunchtime, like make this a, a big ass salad, right? Or a big bowl of veggies with good protein as like a stir fry or something. And that way, what we can do is save a little bit of our carbs and fats for that time that we're dining out. Yeah. Cause whenever you're going out to eat, unfortunately, restaurants don't care about your diet. They're going to load things up to make them taste delicious, which is the amazing part of going out to eat. The food tastes so good, but it tends to usually have a little bit more in terms of oils used, um, extra you know, sauces or additives that are just going to pile on some calories. And so we just need to account for them. It's not that we can't go out to eat. We just need to kind of be conscious of those things. Like if you're tracking these things, we can't be generic either. So I wanted to kind of caveat all of this and preface it. If you are in a cut phase, 
these are things we highly recommend. If you are in a phase of healing your relationship with food, of working on, you know, enjoying things more and not being as maybe obsessive around food and what you're eating, we might not want you to track these things and kind of use more of an intuitive eating approach and listening to your body and, you know, planning around those things around the foods that make you feel good. Um, so we don't want to create additional anxiety around going out to eat, but if you're in a cut phase or if you are trying to lose weight or trying to heal the gut or trying to, you know, accomplish something in terms of, we need to be a little bit more careful around what we're eating, then yes, these are things that we recommend. You know, like Liz mentioned, planning ahead, looking at the menu, when you're tracking, accounting for a little bit of extra fats, like, you got to be a little honest with yourself. And if you are, have been tracking for a period of time, you know that like the burger that has a fried egg and bacon and avocado and chipotle aioli and, the, you know, the bun, that's not 600 calories. Like that, that thing's, that bit's probably a thousand calories. Like, and it's okay if you want to eat it and enjoy it, but we just need to understand and be honest with ourselves about like how many, you know, don't load the generic thing. Something that Liz and I do that helps us. I know it's a little bit more tedious, but if you do want to track it, Usually I try to act track ingredient by ingredient. Um, we try to do, you know, the bun, the burger patty, the bacon and track each one individually. You're going to get probably a lot more close of an estimate in that way. Um, and you can also always ask for modifications. Like Liz and I are the Queens of modifications. I am paying you to bring me food. I am going to ask for what I want. I do not feel bad. I will ask for sauce on the side. Like even if it's a dish that comes in sauce, like, you know, the other day we went out to, you know, before COVID, like we went out to eat and it was, I think it was like a mahi mahi dish and it had a sauce on it. And I asked, I was like, can I please have the sauce on the side? They were more than happy to do that. They didn't even question it, you know, yeah. um, you know, and, and please do not starve yourself all day to go into dinner. Yeah. Not a good idea. Yes. Eat high protein, high vegetables before going in. But, you know, I think now that we are in COVID and maybe more people are doing like takeout, typically restaurants will put sauces on the side. And to me, it's definitely eye-opening to see just how much sauce they give you. Like, I love this ahi tuna dish from Cooper's Hawk and there's this Asian slaw that comes with it. When I got it to go, there was three different sauces that they use in that slaw. I never would have known that because I always tell them just like light sauce. Um, so that's pretty crazy because the amount of oils and the amount of sauces to get the flavors that they put together, which obviously we all know are delicious is pretty intense. And so, you know, if you can get a salad with all of those things, even if it's toppings, you know, that you need to get on the side so you can moderate how much cheese goes on or how many of those candied, you know, walnuts or something goes on, all those things kind of add up too. And I do want to just kind of say here, Salads, a lot of people, when they go out to eat, they think like, oh, I just have to get a salad. Salad can honestly be higher calorie than some of the other food items on the menu, just from all of the additional toppings and ads that they put on there. So, you know, for me personally, when I go out, um, I typically try to stick with some sort of good protein, um, some starchy side. So I usually do either, you know, baked potato or sweet potato, um, kind of just depends upon what the options are. And then I always include a greens. Um, so keeping it, you know, as fun and tasteful as possible, but we don't want to just face plant every time we go out to eat into the heaviest thing on the menu and the greasiest fried food on the menu, because you're not going to be feeling that great. And then if it is something that's kind of sprung on you here last minute, just pivot. We talk about patience and pivots a lot, right? Pivot and adjust. Maybe you, you know, skip your afternoon snack. You fill up on a little bit extra water um, or, you know, tea or something and 
have a smaller snack rather than, you know, continuing to eat how you would, and then get to dinner with only, you know, six or 700 calories left and feel like you've, you know, throwing the day away because you didn't plan ahead for this. So everyone that we work with, we tell them all the time, like, again, this is your lifestyle. Things are going to come up, adjust in the moment and be confident in your decisions and do the best that you can in the situation that you're in. Um, If it is a place that has large portions, ask somebody maybe to share with you. My husband and I do this. Um, Or you can just ask for a to-go box when they bring your dinner and put, you know, a third to a quarter Uh, sorry, a third to a half of your meal in the to-go box so that you're not over consuming. Um, And then one of the things that I always do at restaurants, I love to get like uh, club soda and lime just because it fills me up a little bit and I'm not tempted, you know, to kind of keep eating and I can, you know, be mindful of how fast I'm eating or especially if it's served family style. Um, I know that's a very, you know, common trigger for people that they just take, you know, a piece here, a piece there, and they're kind of mindlessly eating because they're in conversation with each other. So maybe setting um, your fork down between bites is also something that can help. And just be be there and be present for the people that you're with, not necessarily to eat the whole pizza and a side of wings, you know, at the same yeah. time. So I think it's all about balancing the stuff. You know, if you want to have a drink when you go out to eat and it wasn't planned, okay, if we want to have the alcohol, then maybe we pick something a little bit more like nutrient dense and lower calorie for our meal. Like maybe we do the salad with the grilled chicken and, you know, the glass of wine. If you don't want to drink and you want to enjoy the food a little bit more, okay, well then maybe you do go for the burger, but maybe you get veggies as a side instead of like the burger and the fries, or you split the fries with your significant other or whatever it is, or whoever you're with. Um, Sometimes if I want sweet potato, like I love sweet potato fries are my favorite. Mm -hmm. If I want those and I want the burger, I might do like half the bun with the burger, um, kind of like open faced, or I might get a salad and then sweet potato fries as the side, kind of always thinking about like, how can I balance this out? So it's not just like a huge load of calories. That's going to leave me feeling kind of off. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. The next question is around sugar. So like when you have a situation that kind of triggers you and it's something that you struggle to get back into your normal routine with, like, how do you kind of turn off that sugar, uh, switch or the sweet tooth? So we know that sugar binges, they happen. They happen to the best of us, whether it's a birthday, a holiday, could be Halloween. It could just be a stressful day too. that kind of threw you off. And maybe somebody showed up with the donuts or cake or cookies at work. And it kind of sends you into a spiral uh, of other things. We want to talk, how do we kind of get back on track and get rid of some of these cravings? Because sugar is so addictive. There are many research studies out there that show it is more addictive than some of the most addictive drugs, um, such as cocaine. And so it's not something that's wrong with you as a person. We're all human. And so the brain, it loves that dopamine kick, right? And it's sweet. It's savory. It's something that, you know, you maybe haven't had in a long time, depending upon where you are in your journey. And if you are restricting things, which, you know, we preach a lifestyle of moderation and having those things every now and then. So you don't feel the need to eat the whole bag of candy um, on Halloween. But we want to just talk here about what do we do to kind of turn this switch off? So I think this is, this is a big one for a lot of people. And I think this is like, this is the big thing is that we don't want you to give up sugar, but I think there's a big difference between, are we enjoying a treat here and there or has it become habit? Like, is it every night after dinner, we're opening the ice cream carton or every night after dinner, we're, you know, enjoying a sweet treat and that's fine. But like, if it turns into a nightly thing at the same time, like, 
are we actually really wanting it or is it just a habit? So like the American diet is super high in sugar, you know, like equal to an average of one over one pound a week. So like, that's a lot guys. That's a lot of freaking sugar. of sugar. <laughs> even, even if you aren't on this like one pound a week sugar consumption diet, even if that's not you, that's not the diet you're following. There are other ways that sugar can affect your body. So some diets even advocate weekly cheat days, which we do not like Mm -mm. to make it easier for sticking to your diet. So like, you know, you can do it six out of seven days of the week or five out of seven days of the week. And then the other two days you go YOLO and you're consuming crazy amounts of food because you're constantly restricting. We've said this before, like binging and overconsumption isn't a binging problem. It's a restriction problem. You are not giving yourself things that you want to have. And in turn, you're rebelling and over-consuming them. Yeah. And so and we need to understand like it, it's because we aren't allowing them when we want them or it's becoming too routine. Like we got to find that happy medium. Yeah. And it's, it's too much of like an impact on the relationship with food too. Not just the fact that sugar impacts, you know, our body in different ways. Um, we know sugar is linked to heart disease and obesity. We know that, but it's still creeps its way in sometimes, you know, but here's the thing. And here's the main reason why we are not advocates of a cheat day, because one, it's not a good relationship with food, but two, by the time your body recovers from this overconsumption or binge, it's time to cheat again, right? Because you, you cheat on Saturday and then you feel like crap, maybe it goes into Sunday. And so then you find yourself in the cycle starting again on Monday. And then by the time the next Saturday comes, you're just recovering and kind of deflating here, right? From all of the inflammation from the sugar. And then now it's ingrained in your brain that it's Saturday night. And so I have to cheat again. So the the thing here is this, it impacts not only just the sugar switch, but it also impacts your entire body because your brain function can dip, right? As your blood sugar levels crash. And if you have a background or an autoimmune condition um, that is triggered by inflammation for most of the week, sure, you might see this deflating come down, but you never really feel energetic and feel healthy and feel clear headed and on top of your game, because you keep yourself stuck in this cycle of cheat meal, recover, cheat meal, recover. And you're not just moderating things throughout in a way that your body can handle in a healthy moderation. Yeah. And like I said, total restriction is not what we want. Like we don't, I actually want my clients to enjoy things on occasion because that's where we're finding balance. And when we have like these sugar binges planned or unplanned, you shouldn't feel bad about it, guys. Like delicious food is one of the greatest pleasures of life. There is literally parts in our brain that are wired for satisfaction from food that when we constantly deny them, we will in turn usually end up binging or overconsuming because our body is craving some type of satisfaction with food. You can trick yourself into eating freaking chicken and broccoli and rice all day long and tell yourself that it's healthy. But part of you, that part of the brain that craves satisfaction from food is still being starved. And also letting loose now and then reminds you how bad you might feel from excess sugar and understanding like 
what maybe a good moderation level is for you and strengthen the commitment we want to make to a healthy nutrient-dense diet, guys. The short-term consequences of eating too much sugar can result in things like weight gain. You know, everyone, myself included, has had that Monday morning, the scale's up like fucking four pounds because I ate way too much on Saturday again because I restricted all week. And all I'm waiting for is Friday for it to be down to regular again. Like we know that cycle and it sucks. You can have mood swings like Liz talked about with blood sugar regulation. This is one of the biggest reasons we crave sugar because we do not eat enough throughout the day. So our blood sugar takes impacts and it's up and down and up and down. And when we go long periods without eating, it crashes and then our body's causing us to crave things, usually calorie dense things like sugar, or you might not know what the headaches, you know, this is all stuff that can happen when we don't limit or moderate the sugar and go through these ups and downs. Yeah. All right. So what do we do? If we have a day where we overconsume sugar, here's the way that we recommend kind of turning that switch off. So number one, drink plenty of water and add electrolytes to the water as well. So whether that is branch chain amino acids, you could do a little bit of um, sea salt in there, whatever you know works for you that you have, um, you can do that so that we can kind of replenish the electrolytes in the body, okay? Second thing here is we don't wanna be skipping meals. Again, going back to the blood sugar um, and balancing that out, we want to make sure that we're, you know, pretty consistently eating here and not just taking a huge dip in our blood sugar. So then we face plant into another cupcake, right? Because sugar throws your blood glucose levels way out of whack, which results in this withdrawal symptoms. So the intense cravings and the low energy and like fiending for that sugar again, so that you can get that energy back up. So just like we talked about, that's a lot of times where even people, when they're detoxing from sugar, they see those he headaches and migraines, you know, come into eat one ingredient, whole foods. This includes fruits and carbohydrates, guys, <laughs> vegetables, fruits, sweet potatoes, rice, quinoa, whatever that is one ingredient, whole foods, very nutrient dense. And we want to make sure that we're eating adequate protein. So we have talked a ton about this on other podcasts. And so you all know that we recommend anywhere between 0.7 and one gram per pound of your body weight for adequate protein intake. We typically lean higher towards the 0 0.8, 0 0.9 um, area for our clients, all right? This is very, very important because it can also help you stay satiated and stay full throughout the day and offset some of those cravings because they also provide amino acids that are extremely important to the body. So don't freak out. You don't have to starve yourself, but we do want you to start to shift off of this mentality of restricting all the time. Because again, like Becca mentioned, it's not a binging problem. It's a restricting problem that leads us into the face plant. Yep. All right. So next question, people want to know, obviously in today's crazy COVID world and with lots of zoom meetings, freaking, I feel like now we have more meetings now than ever. It's crazy workouts on limited time. Okay. What's more important is cardio more important is strength, more important, how to kind of do like a good solid 20 to 30 minute workout. This is kind of a loaded question. Um, it depends on the person. It depends on their goals. Um, I would say I like a mix of both. I think some days, you know, picking, if you have weights, picking like one good big lift, like maybe you do five by five squats, you know, and you do a little finisher of some accessory work. And that's like your 30 minutes or other days you do a little conditioning and you do like some hit workouts. Maybe you do a 20 or 30 minute jog, or you do a combination of both. 
you know, an EMOM. So I, we love every minute on the minute workouts. Mm -hmm. You can do a 30 minute, every minute on the minute, you could do maybe like three movements, cycle it through 10 times for that 30 minutes. You could do something like one minute. One is 10 to 15 burpees or 40 seconds, max burpees or whatever you want to do. The next minute is 10 to 12 dumbbell squats, you know, and you're holding dumbbells on your shoulders. The third minute we can do a 30 to 45 second plank or whatever. And that can, you can totally mix it up. You can do so many different things here, but I think that, you know, a combination of each is important and not necessarily always avoiding things that you're bad at, or, you know, things that you don't want to do. Um, you know, if you have a short amount of time, I think that you can definitely come up with lots of different things, uh, whether it's just strength, just cardio or a combination. Yeah. I love every minute on the minute, especially when I only have, you know, that 20 to 30 minute time frame because I just feel like I can target so many different areas. I can push myself, right? Especially too, if you're not someone who feels like you push yourself when you're working out by yourself, having kind of that every minute on the minute time clock, okay, you can push through 40, 45 seconds, right? Like turn on some good music, get those reps in. And what I like to do is I aim for a certain amount of reps in that section. So I love devil's press, devil's press, and then heavy alternating snatches. Those are probably two of my favorite um, movements, but I will try within that minute. Okay. Let me get 10 devil's press, right? Or if I only got nine, let me try for 10 the next time, but I don't want to sacrifice form either, but you're always inching, you know, to that next level. And I think in that 40, 45 second time frame, it's a lot easier for you mentally to push through and work hard rather than just like walking on the treadmill or, you know, going yeah. for a, a light jog. So, and then I think it's important too, let's talk about accessory work. We see a Ooh. lot of people um, talk about accessory work, importance of it, purpose of it. Is it too much? You know, we're big proponents of strength training. We like the main lifts, those big compound lifts, your deadlifts, your squats, your bench press, like a lot of those things work total body um, because you're, you know, activating your core and you're stabilizing. And so first and foremost, strength above everything else, right? But mm -hmm. accessory work can help us get stronger. If you have a goal of wanting to do a pull-up, you need to be doing some accessory work, right? To strengthen other parts of your arms um, and your lats and your back. So, you know, what's, what's too much, right? And I would say here, this is where I get frustrated, but all these Instagram influencers that are out there with these little bands doing a hundred kickbacks on one leg and a hundred kickbacks on the other, like you're almost wasting your time at that point in time. Right. Yes. So, yeah, I, I always talk about like, where do we lose intensity? I think that's a really good gauge of understanding, like, is it too much? Um, are you starting to feel extremely fatigued? Are you starting to feel like you can't do that weight for any more reps or you're having to drop down a ton in weight or you feel like you aren't recovering between sets? Like, I think if you're doing one or two big lifts and then on top of that, maybe three to five pieces of accessory work, that's pretty adequate. Um, sets of a hundred, sets of a thousand, like this is not necessary other than maybe once a week with like small movements. So I think of like tricep press downs with a band. I might do like a burnout set of a hundred once a week if uh, during a certain part of my strength cycle, not every freaking day I'm doing a hundred squats, a hundred, like you, there is a diminishing returns of effect here. You need to keep intensity for there to be some type of change. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's probably the biggest thing to understand with accessory work. And also I, I'm a huge component of like, or proponent of single leg, single arm work. Like if you're squatting and you have back pain on one side or something like that, or, you know, 
the, the Bulgarian split squats or single leg deadlifts, the stabilization aspect and making sure you're even side to side can make you a whole heck of a lot stronger and it can protect you in those bigger lifts. Um, that's a huge one. And then the last one we got to talk about the fucking oh. abs. Oh, abs. I was going to say, I love to talk about like tempo work. I think that's a oh, yeah. right time under tension, especially if you don't have, you know, a lot of weights to use at home. If let's say you have like 15 or 20 pound dumbbells and you want to make it harder, do tempo work, right? <laughs> tempo, uh, floor mm-hmm. press, tempo squats, tempo deadlifts, right? Like there's all different types of things that you can do with tempo, um, and different holds that you can do that again, will support, you know, stabilization. Um, but it's just creating a different stimulus with that longer time, you know, under tension. So yeah, let's talk about abs because I can't. I can't can't. just like, I, here's the thing. So many people and thank goodness we're working, I think with different populations lately. So this doesn't come up as much, but like, I just want a flat stomach. I just want to have abs. Like, here's the thing. You already have abs. They're just probably hidden under some stuff. And maybe the things that you're doing, like a thousand crunches every day that you've been doing for five weeks, isn't going to get you abs. The primary role of abs is stabilization. Like there needs to be, it's, it's about functional movement, sit-ups, these things aren't going to get you abs. You know what gets abs probably for more than anything? Heavy deadlifts, yep. power cleans, front squats, overhead squats, push-ups. All of those things you're stabilizing your core with. They all require you to use your abs. So anytime you perform these movements, belly tight, you're training your abs. Like I did heavy front squats yesterday. The main area I felt them was my upper back and my abs. I didn't even really feel them as much in my legs. Like I felt, I felt them in my core and my upper back holding, you know, 195 pounds on my shoulders. Like that is where you build the core, not the freaking sit-ups guys. hundred percent. We just had that conversation this morning. I'm like my core and my abs are so sore from Wednesday. I did front squats this week too. And we have a saying it's always be bracing. No matter what you're doing, you should always be bracing your core. A lot of reason or a lot of time people get back injuries and such when they're lifting heavier is because they're not engaging their core and keeping their core tight. So, you know, if you're doing something and you're loosey goosey, you're not going to get the benefit from that, but you have to be breathing properly and get that core tight while you're under, you know, those heavier loads, that's going to do you a lot more good than holding a plank for five hours or a hundred, you know, crunches. So mm-hmm. if, if you want to see your abs, right, this requires lowering your body fat. Okay. No yep. amount of sit-ups, no amount of cardio that you do is going to tighten up your abs and bring those abs to life. You have to build your core and build the muscles underneath and then lose the body fat to show those things. So this is where we, of course, we always talk with people like we have to address your nutrition. You cannot out train a bad diet. I think everyone knows that, especially, you know, our followers who are listening because we've done podcasts on this before. Like you can't spot reduce fat. You can't even like freeze it off or all these other like techniques that they have now in these pills that are magical fat burners. And it's just going to burn your belly fat, detox teas, whatever. Like you have to have proper nutrition that is paired with your training for the most effective and best results. Okay. That is key. I'm going to say that, you know, your training is probably 20 to 30%. Everything else Mm -hmm. is your nutrition, sleep and recovery. Here's the thing. 
Some people are just genetically more inclined to have fat in their midsection. I'm one of them. I will build fucking bomb ass shoulders and arms and legs, and I'll still hold on to body fat in my belly. It's just where me, it's the same thing with my sister and my mom. We all have like, it's just us. This is our genetics. This is where we tend to store body fat. I've gotten down to 9% body fat. And the only time you see my abs is when I was working out and flexing. Like some people just unfortunately, genetically are going to hold more fat in their stomach. I'm not saying you can't get there. It's just like, what's the price of getting there? And having a six pack is kind of like a fancy car, guys. It might get you a few glances, head nods when you're not wearing a shirt, but like, is it really worth trying to give up your life to afford that car or those abs? You know, it generally, they're not worth it. I'll be totally honest. The price of being lean is not worth it. So for those of you blessed out there with abs, enjoy them. Okay. Because they're a lot of freaking hard work. If it's not something that's natural for you and do not go about doing thousand crunches thinking that's, what's going to give them. Like Liz said, it is in the kitchen y'all. It is in the nutrition. So that's what we got for y'all today. Absolutely. So we'll round this out by just saying like, what's too much accessory work. I'd say no more than like two to three days, everything else needs to be main lifts. It needs to be lifting heavy. That's where you're going to get the most benefit, um, and build the most strength and that muscle that you want. So hope you have a great Wednesday and thank you again to all of those veterans out there who have served our country. We are forever indebted to you and honor you um, on this day and every day. And then we will be back on Friday with a little bit of Friday fire. Have a great day. Thank you for spending your time with us. We are honored to be able to help educate you and improve your life. If you've enjoyed this, please take a screenshot share it on Instagram and tag us at lsn.coach and leave us a five-star reading and review on iTunes as this helps us grow and reach others. So if you have any questions, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email and we will talk to you soon. Have a great day.